as investors, before we make a purchase or before we start a project, we're often really good at the budgeting. So saying like, we're going to do this renovation and it's probably going to cost 30K because it's going to be like 5,000 in electric, 5,000 in plumbing, 10,000 in drywall, whatever, right? We, we're good at that part, budgeting. Welcome back, everybody. We are super excited for our next guest here. Nick is from Income Digs. And man, I, I got to tell you, my first interaction with Nick was unbelievable. I was going through uh, setting up my accounting for all of the rental properties that we have. And I found that there was no clean way of getting accounting done in a way that would be other than using spreadsheets and, you know, all these other external systems to what I was using at the time, which is uh, still what I use today, which is QuickBooks. And then I don't even know how I found you. Uh, but then I started, uh, I, I took your boot camp on how to set up my, my QuickBooks. And now I can look at all my properties in a nice organized way within QuickBooks. And it's just been a thing of beauty. And I'm like, man, we got to get you on the show to, to start talking about this. And uh, uh, so welcome, Nick. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And I'm so glad you found value in in the course and in, in what I teach. And, and your story is very consistent. And it's kind of why I do what I do in that as real estate investors, it's not easy for us to see our numbers. And the accounting software that's out there, QuickBooks being the most prominent one in North America here, while it's great software, it wasn't built for real estate investors. It just wasn't. It was built to do accounting for business. And we as investors need to think about how our businesses are a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more complex, and take some steps to do some tweaking and make it so exactly like you're saying there. So we can see our numbers and so we can understand how our business is doing so we can make decisions about how to grow and scale. That's exactly what I did for my business. And that's, that's what I teach. And again, so glad you found value in, in that. Yeah, more, more than value. I mean, I, I, when I went to my accountant and I showed him what we did within the QuickBooks, he said, how did you do this? <laughs> and, uh, and so that it was just amazing to kind of have that set up and being able to understand property by property, both in the acquisitions of the property. I, I love how you go through and you show what does an acquisition look like in a system? And then how it then falls under each of the different categories. So you can see what does this property look like? What does the next property look like? And, yeah, and exactly. And, and what we're doing there is, is we're just like simplifying what it is, right? We, we're investors. We know how to purchase the property. We know what the numbers are in our head. We're just finding it hard to translate it onto the books. And when we think about, you know, typically we're making a purchase, we're recording a journal entry. And a lot of us are kind of afraid of what that might mean. Those are complex transactions, but um, you know, what I did with my process is we just dumb it down to like telling the truth. And that's what you'll hear me say in all my videos. Let's tell the truth. What happened here? Well, this, this account got this cash. We spent this much on the building. Let's just tell that story by way of a journal entry. And they don't have to be that difficult. And that's, that's what I try to teach. I'm not a CPA by trade. I'm not an accountant by trade. I'm an investor and I'm a business owner. And I needed to solve this problem for my business. And once I did, after a long, long time and, and spending the hours to build that process, I knew I needed to share it uh, because, you know, it's, it's one of those things that can hold a lot of investors back. You know, well, we I need to be we need to be making deals instead of like recording them for hours and hours and hours. Absolutely. Or I mean, or hearing from your accountant, there's no way of doing this. Right. And uh, yeah. and, and that's that's the struggle. And. Sure. And so not having that accountant background, I think, gave you a little bit of an edge, in my opinion, 
because it allow you to think outside of the box and the way you'd structured things. And, and certainly the results are there. I mean, it, it was so easy once we had it all set up for the accountant to look through, produce all the reports they needed to, to do it. And they're like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to hear that. And that, that was my exact experience too. And so honestly, some of the pushback I'll get from my students when, you know, they'll hear some of my concepts, which for example, you know, using cost of goods sold, using what I call a two-dimensional chart of accounts or multiple business entities, all those things I teach, when a CPA hears that, they might say, wait a second, QuickBooks doesn't do that. And, and my advice is to always say, listen, QuickBooks, first and foremost, is a tool for you as a business owner to understand your numbers. It can and it does help with taxes. Absolutely. But we know there's no requirement in, in North America, in the United States or in Canada, to use QuickBooks, right? So accountants could have their clients come to them with a shoebox full of receipts, okay? That can happen. So if an accountant's telling you, you can only set up QuickBooks this way, you have to challenge them and say, listen, if I can get you the reports you need, I can get you that balance sheet, I get you that P&L, but it also works for me as a business owner to understand my numbers and be able to scale. Hey, it's a win-win situation. So don't just automatically shut down if you get challenged by your CPA. Yes, they're the professional. They're the ones who got to plug it into the taxes. But remember that you're paying for the software. You're the one paying for it. There's no requirement that you use it. So first and foremost, get it set up for your business. And then hopefully, as is typically the case, you can translate that perfectly to your tax prep as well. I think that's a that's a beautiful way of looking at it. And and I know that's a different way, especially for investors, because it's usually it's a it's a you know, you're running a holding company, not an operating business. Like when you're running an operating business and you're balancing and wrecking out and doing all the different things in, in, in the business, maybe doing invoicing and, and all that through QuickBooks, it's, you're very active within it. Whereas in the passive side, you know, you're, you know, the income's coming to the bank statement, you might wreck it out every month, uh, you know, based on, um, you know, deposit stuff, but it's not as active as some of the other ones. And the idea that you said, and I think you really hit on a point is, is it's more than just a tax journal. You know, it's something that it will allow you to really enable, uh, your business to, to, to give you better detail, better insight into what, what's going on in the different properties and, uh, and you use it as a tool that way, because the, the accounting, when they file for taxes, I mean, you're not filing directly out of QuickBooks, you know, it's going into a, it's, you know, everything happens outside of QuickBooks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I like to think of when you're setting up your QuickBooks, whether you're the only owner or not, I like to envision, and I teach this to my students, envision that you have other investors who aren't in the QuickBooks necessarily. And every month or every quarter, you want to deliver to them a report. Here's how we're doing. Here's the properties we own. Here's what's on our books. Here's what our profit is. Right. And again, if you're the only one right now, that's fine. But kind of envision that you have to report out to these this board of investors. Right. And I think that helps you establish like if this would work for that, then that's a good way to establish a baseline for me and my business. Um, and it's funny, as you mentioned, like a lot of investors are, are holding companies. Now, some will certainly manage properties and they're doing some of that in QuickBooks too. And yeah, more volume there. But it's funny, QuickBooks will have those commercials, right? Where it's a flower shop or it's a, it's a bakery, right? And it's like, look how easy QuickBooks is. And they're swiping the card. And, and it is great software for all that transactional stuff and nothing against those businesses. Those are fine. But our business is way more complex and, and nuanced. And so uh, out of the box, we couldn't possibly expect QuickBooks to you know, hit it on the head for investors. It has everything we need. We just need to make the setup tweaks to make it work for our specific business, which is certainly one of the more complex businesses, businesses out there. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, most businesses, you know, when you're running a business and I'm not saying that it's, this is the right thing to do, but most businesses, what they'll do is they focus on the P and L the profit and loss. And that's really 98% of what they're thinking about. The only time they go to the balance sheet is when they're looking at accounts receivable or accounts payable. They're not looking at all the other lines that happen on that page. Whereas when you're looking at real estate, there's a lot of things that happen on the balance sheet. And to be able to really hone in on that and and create a really good rock solid balance sheet within QuickBooks for multiple properties, uh, you know, I found that unbelievable. I, you know, and again, I'm not a QuickBook junkie. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I'd say moderate tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to go through that course and then walk out on the other side with a squeaky clean, you know, and I think we I mean we only own five properties, so it's not like we have a lot uh, of doors and that sort of thing, but to make it so that it was nice and organized, you know, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Great to hear in, in your example, five properties, you know, that's, that's a common kind of middle ground. You know, some people have one, some people have five, some people have 20, whatever the case is, we have to think about that balance sheet. As you mentioned, investors need to be looking at that. And so our property that we own is on that balance sheet and the big pitfall, the big mistake that a lot of my students make, including I did this exact thing too, is, Here's the property. You know, I, I own this property, 123 Main Street, and we're smart enough to know, hey, I better separate out maybe the building from the land, from the capital improvement, and say, you know, four or five accounts for that basis. All right, great. And I have that for 123 Main Street. So I have 123 Main Street and all those sub accounts. Then I get another property and it's 456 Elm Street and then all those sub accounts. And oh, this is working great until I get five properties or 10 or whatever. And now my balance sheet is gigantic, right? So we know it has to be on the balance sheet, but what we're doing, and by default, that's what a lot of folks are doing, what I call a kind of a one-dimensional or a vertical balance sheet. We need to think about, can we grow two-dimensionally? And so what I teach is let's keep those accounts generic on the balance sheet, on the fixed asset side, building, land, closing costs, whatever, four or five of them tops, and we'll use some other field, customer or class, and I teach both, and we we can talk about that, to identify how much by property. And that way we're growing in two directions instead of one. It makes it way easier for us to grow and scale and to add properties. The idea of every time you add a property, you have to add six, seven, eight accounts to your chart of accounts. It's just not something that's going to get us excited to buy more properties, right? It's just more of that burden, and it's going to make that balance sheet more ugly, harder to read. Well, and then, you know, you start throwing in, you're buying a property, you're selling a property, uh, you are refinancing a property, all these, these things that happen that are affecting on the balance sheet, not necessarily on the P and L's, you know, being able to handle that in a way that, you know, doesn't make things so convoluted. I think that's huge. And I think when you start talking about the classes and using classes and, and, and that sort of thing to create the two dimensional rather than the one dimensional, you know, page by page after page of on your chart of accounts is so much better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when we buy a property or sell or whatever, all we're doing is we're adding and removing a class. You know, it's just, just a lot more dynamic in what we can do. And that way, even if we decide to adjust our setup. So for example, like we might be doing a lot of long-term rentals and then all of a sudden we get into some short-term rentals. We might want to add a sub account for like furnishings, right? That's kind of a common one. It's a little bit different. We depreciate it differently. So we might want to do that. Okay, great. If I want to do that, I, I just got to do that once. I got to add that one account. And for those properties I own that are long-term, I don't need to record anything to them. But for the short-term, I can use that as opposed to me now saying all my short-term, let's add that account to it. Again, it's just 
we think about the scalability, it's just a lot better. And, and again, yeah, as you mentioned, class is a really good way to do it. It's probably my favorite way to do it. Uh, you can do it with customer as well, but class seems to be the cleanest. Um, and, and we're doing it for the balance sheet for sure. Of course, we're doing it for the P&L as well. Can I look at all my rentals next to each other, juxtaposed next to each other and, and say, you know, how much did I make for each? While it's the biggest benefit from this two-dimensional is on the balance sheet, you, you might may or may not be surprised that some folks, even on a P&L, will initially put out separate accounts on their chart of accounts for each property. So they'll have like revenue, one, two, three Main Street, r- rental income, four, five, six Elm Street. And that's that's definitely not a good idea. You know, rental income and then across the top, you know, in the columns, we can have the properties too. So it works for both the balance sheet and the P&L nice and neat. Well, I know, I know when I first had it set up, I had it the way that it shouldn't have been set up and it was a gong show and I had no idea how to kind of, you know, reconcile everything, just kind of make things make sense. And I was only doing it for the benefit of taxes, not for the benefit of, you know, organizing the business and, you know, switching over to being able to have it so that I can see one lined up beside the other one. Again, as you say, on the, on the P and L as well as on the balance sheet, makes it so much easy for easier for you to figure out, you know, what's going yeah. on, especially when it came to things like when you start selling properties and and refinancing properties and those sort of bigger transactions that happen, having that transaction organized in a very, you know, clean way that the system can digest it, that it's not so convoluted. It was it was unbelievable. So so good. Yeah, great to hear. And and you know when we think about what are we doing here in the business? You know, the numbers are such an important part. We kind of all know that, but I think when our QuickBooks, we log in and it's messy and it's not accurate, I think we're quick to say, I'll leave that for later. Let's go do another deal. Without knowing or thinking like, should I do a deal in this market or that market? Should I be in long-term versus short-term? Numbers should be driving our decisions and numbers should be telling us what our business is worth and how we're doing. I think you had um, Andrew Chin on a bit ago. He said, if you don't have numbers to your business, you don't have a business, right? And so, well, we all have numbers somewhere, but do we understand them? Do we know them? And I, again, I've been there. I've logged into QuickBooks and it's made absolutely no sense and it's almost useless. And then we kind of bang it out and make it right for taxes. And OK, great. I, I, you know, I'll do that again in a year. And, and I'd rather weekly, monthly, whatever, have some kind of set of reports where we can trust because we built the process and we are not shying away from those complicated transactions because they're not that complicated once we do them, you know, once we settle down and understand how we make them. Now I understand where I'm at with my business. I can make key decisions proactively instead of waiting for like five months after the year for my accountant to tell me here's what I made last year. Right. That just yep. isn't a way to, to run, grow and scale the business. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, now if you were going to, you know, talk to somebody who's listening today, who's, you know, got QuickBooks on the go and, and they just want to get, get things, maybe one thing or two things kind of fixed in the system and, to kind of say this, man, this is such a great takeaway that I, I have no choice but to sign up for your boot camp because, yeah. man, this was a big win for me. What, uh, what, what might that look like? Well, I would say that we kind of have like three foundational ideas with a with a bonus fourth, but the first is absolutely essential, and, and this first it really just answers your question there. The, the first is to look at your chart of accounts. Okay, so your chart of accounts 
It's that list of categories, right? And if your chart of accounts is over 100, over 150, anything like that, if your chart of accounts has property addresses in it, meaning it's very specific, you know, one, two, three, Main Street, four, five, six, Elm, that is a red flag that you need to do an audit of your chart of accounts. And completing that audit is really your next step, is to maybe even export it out of QuickBooks put it in Excel or something just so it's easier to see and digest and to read and look at and start like checking those that are, are subject to or are candidates for consolidation and for generalization. So anything where it's got a specific address, what we want to do is we want to collect all those and we want to say instead of, you know, building by property, we're just going to have one building. OK, we're just going to have one land. We're just going to have one closing cost. So we, we have to identify that. And then making a journal entry to kind of make that switch. Now, we're doing this interview at a great time of the year in that, you know, I'm, I'm sure people watch at various different times. But if you're coming to the end of a fiscal year, as we are in 2023, setting this up at the new year is easy and perfect, meaning you can do a journal entry 1231 2023 to move everything off of your gigantic list move it into a more generic list so that 2024 or whatever year and beyond is nice and clean. And then you can deactivate all those little accounts and they can go away. My, my big hope and that is that we would take away from this that we should be able to operate our real estate business with like 50 accounts, maybe 60, something like that. But you know, QuickBooks will cap you at 250. You shouldn't even come close to that. We need it to be way simpler. Your balance sheet should be three pages, no more. Two would be great. One would be awesome. Okay, so I guess, to, uh, you know, long way of answering your question, chart of accounts audit, understand what can be consolidated, and then start making a plan for moving things over to a simpler way. So the big consolidation we're looking at is obviously if the income streams, you know, on the P&L side are, you know, 55 Main Street rent, you know, 43 John Street rent, you know, that's a big red flag of those things need to be consolidated. Absolutely. On the balance on the balance sheet side, what are the ones that we're seeing on the balance sheet side that, that pip? You know, it's usually your property. So you, you usually have sub accounts for your property, building, land, closing costs, capital improvements, even yep. the depreciation, right? Often those are going to be identified by uh, by address. And that that's the big red flag. Now, even even mortgages. So mortgages, I'm less concerned about, but those two can be consolidated. There might be an argument here and there to keep them separated. If that's the case, fine. It's not going to blow things up too much. But I think the biggest you know, the easiest low hanging fruit there is your actual buildings that you own should be generic, not specific to a property. I think that's brilliant. And then that's where the consolidation using the classes really helps out. Absolutely. Yep. Now yeah. using classes, QuickBooks Online Plus or beyond, if you don't have QuickBooks Online uh, Plus, meaning you have QuickBooks Online Essentials, you can use customer. Okay. I think there's a lot of pros to using pro beyond just the classes. So I would encourage you to check those out, but you know, understanding that every business is different and has different budgetary um, requirements there, you can still use customer if need be. The idea is that we need some other um, attribute there and class and customer both check that box. Now, and I, I think that is a first one. Now you said there was three. So that number yeah. one is the audit looking at the uh, chart of accounts. What's number two? Number two would be to um, face your fears when it comes to journal entries. I don't know that everybody has it, but it seems like 90% of my students are really 100%. afraid of journal entries, you know? Yeah. Um, and what's really fun to, to do is to just, just use them a little bit and record purchases and record sales and watch, you know, I plenty of free videos on, on YouTube about this. They're not that hard debits and credits. To be honest with you, I still don't know 
why it's debits and why it's credits and why this works and why that doesn't work. I stopped trying to figure it out. I, you know, I, I just say, well, this is what they tell me. I, I want this account to go up. I got to debit it. I want this account to go down. I'm going to credit. I don't know why they're called that, right? But with a purchase, with a refinance, with a sale, those transactions without a doubt should all be done with a journal entry. You can still match your banking transactions after the fact. But uh, to, to understand that journal entries are not your enemy, in fact, they're really, really easy is kind of my second uh, my second fundamental is to dive into them, embrace them, understand why they're useful. And another little secret, every single transaction in QuickBooks is a journal entry, okay? Now, what QuickBooks does and almost you know 80% of what you're paying for is they make it so you don't have to create a journal entry for every transaction. You can create an expense, you can create a sales receipt, an invoice, whatever. But in the background, they're all journal entries. They both have two sides, right? And so when we use a journal entry, when we click that button to say, create a journal entry, we're going to the back end of the system. We're saying, I have a really important, really important transaction, a purchase, a refinance, a sale. I want to make sure I get it right. And I'm going to do this thing the correct way, debits and credits and, and bang it out, understand it, attach my closing document to it. And it's a, as you, you use the words, it's a beautiful thing, right? It's nice and neat and all in there. So embrace journal entries. That's my second one. Well, when you look at journal entries, and, and I love how you say many people have a fear over journal entries, and uh, I can say present company included. When I when and it's funny because when I did journal entries back in um, QuickBooks Contractor uh, days, when you'd have the downloaded version, it's weird. I felt comfortable back then using the journal entries, but then when I went to QuickBooks Online, I just because it, it was so buried deep into the software, it feels like ooh, I'm going to mess something up, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 They do a great job of because they acknowledge that. And and again, that that flower shop on the commercial probably never use a journal entry ever. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's kind of how QuickBooks, you know, that's that's what they're selling. Look how easy this software is. Create an expense. All this thing is so, so easy. They have the functionality there. But to your point, they kind of bury it and make it almost a little scary. Debits and credits have to match. Wait, I don't know what those words even mean. I have a debit card. I have a credit card, but they're not related at all. Um, and so demystifying journal entries and embracing them, you know, it's it's not a big deal. And in fact, I find that it helps me to understand the other transactions when I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, in the background, QuickBooks probably debited that account. That's why it's showing up there. Um, yeah, face face your journal entry fears for sure. You know, if you want to help your kids face their journal entry fears, just a quick little note. When I was young, we actually didn't have a, an allowance that we were given. We had a accounts receivable book and we would debit it and credit. And that's the words we used. We would debit and credit, you know, based on if we did the work or based on if we wanted some money to go play video games or buy candy at the store or whatever we we're using it for. Uh, we would use our accounts receivable book. And, uh, you know, now we didn't draw that out to a general ledger or anything like that. I mean, we were only, you know, under the age of 10, uh, but it was, uh, it was a great way to get familiarized with that at the beginning. That's awesome. That's next level. That's, that's great. <laughs> so that's number two. So number two, we're looking at, uh, journal entries, uh, number three, what would be the number three thing that they need to look at? Number three would be to under, understand what I consider probably the most underutilized feature of QuickBooks, which is products and services, often called cost codes or items uh, for expenses. Now, almost specifically for like renovations. So if you're flipping property for sure, but even if you own rental property or you're doing work on them, doing some kind of capital improvement, using products and services is just one of those underutilized features that really turns on a lot of 
uh, analytics uh, definitely has for my business. So the idea here is that as investors, before we make a purchase or before we start a project, we're often really good at the budgeting. So saying like, we're going to do this renovation and it's probably going to cost 30K because it's going to be like 5,000 in electric, 5,000 in plumbing, 10,000 in drywall, whatever, right? We, we're good at that part, budgeting. But we are typically not able to, within our QuickBooks, track the actuals to that level of specificity. And a lot of people are like downloading it or, or like just doing it offline. But if we use products and services, we actually turn on this like extra dimension of reporting where we list out rough electrical, rough plumbing, drywall. We list those out as our categories and we start tagging our expenses to those, our renovation expenses to those. And we actually tap into this new world where our P&L or our balance sheet stays nice and neat, you know, construction materials, capital improvements, one or two accounts. We drill down deep into that and then we can start separating it out by those categories. And now we can start comparing, hey, how did we do against our budget? Were we over? Were we under? Are we still on track for this? Obviously, it helps in the moment with the project we're working on and, of course, with our historical data to make sure we're uh, on the right page for our future renovation. So that's just one of those, you know, I, I listed as number three. You don't need to use it. Absolutely not. But um, for those of us that are doing a lot of projects, it's one of those kind of unsung heroes. One of those things that it's there. It's included with QuickBooks Online. Might as well, might as well turn it on and use it. I think right now, when you look at the real estate market and, you know, we're just sort of, uh, we're, we might, we might start seeing a stabilization in interest rates between that, you know, in Canada, if they're between four and a half to five and a half, five and a half kind of rates, uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but you know, when we look at the value of properties versus the rents, I think the burst strategy yeah. is becoming really back to being on vogue again. And the idea of using the products to really help keep the burst strategy in intact. I think is a is a beautiful way of doing that. Yeah, completely agree. That's that's like the main strategy I use here too. And for any of us who have done a refinance and working on the appraisal, right? They're going to ask the question, "What kind of work did you do?" And it's one thing to say, "I did a hundred thousand dollars in work," and if you have that, great. You're probably ahead of ahead of some. If you can say, "I did a hundred thousand dollars in work," and here is the categories I did. In theory, the appraiser should be looking at the market value. They really shouldn't be looking necessarily at the cost that went into it, but we all know they do that, right? And so 100%. if we can add all that detail, we have a chance of increasing our appraisals. We have a, a definitely a chance of making our loans easier. Banks will want to work with us if we have all of our stuff securely and organized perfectly accurate, right? That makes everything a lot easier. For you as a business owner and then the bank as well, they're going to look at you as a really well-established professional organization that knows what the heck they're doing. Well, let's look at the third category too. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that do joint ventures that are, are you know, consolidating some, in, you know, investors. Um, you know, if somebody comes to you and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a good, I'm good at construction and blah, 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 blah. Versus somebody say, here's, here's the balance sheet and here's the income statements for all the properties, all nice and organized. Here's all my projects. Here's all the categories showing all the expenses for the last five. I mean, that becomes very easy for somebody to look at that and say, I'm willing to invest into this thing. If, if the paperwork's a dog's breakfast, it makes it very difficult because you're just going on the relationship. You're not going on the numbers. And, you know, as you're right, Andre Chin in the first uh, podcast we did, you know, focus on your numbers was one of the most important things. And I think, you know, bringing that back, uh, you know, into this, I think it's, it's critical. And yeah. I think if you're a real estate uh, agent and you're talking to people and you could show that they can get this kind of clarity into 
their investment. This makes it a, a truly rock solid in, in, in investment category because you have the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this industry, like real estate is one. And then we have like construction kind of being a sub asset of that. You know, I, I'm in that business too, in, in renovations and home building and, and, you know, low hanging fruit. Let's, let's just be clear on how that industry construction, if you have your numbers in line and, and you can present them professionally, that is just such an easy first step compared to a lot that's out there. There's just there's just a lot of folks that are kind of stuck in their ways on doing it with, uh, you know, on the, the hood of a truck and um, to be dialed in with a little bit of technology and with some analysis, just it really makes it easy to stand out and to look really, really professional. You know what you're doing. And it doesn't take much. I mean, I know after I took the course, the course was very simple, you know, in the way that you had things presented. And that was in, and all I had to do was just follow step A, step B. Maybe I might go back to step B twice <laughs> and then, and then go through again. And, and that would really help uh, to, to get things out. And then all of a sudden looking at my books, I, I went, this is really nice. I mean, especially for when we did the burr, like we did, we did actually, a, we did a flip. The flip was probably the one that was really driving me needed to look for something because I, I just didn't know yeah. how I was going to handle everything from an attacks perspective and from a management perspective. And, and, and to be able to really track the expenses in that way was super beneficial. Yeah. Well, again, that's, that's great to hear. And the way I teach it is just kind of the way I learned it. Now it's been, six, seven years since I really established my process. So I've, I've honed in on how it teaches as well. And the questions I'm getting has led to, you know, making the course better. I'm kind of on my third iteration of the course, meaning I've re-recorded every single video of it for the third time. And as I do that, I really go back and think about, you know, what questions was I getting? What wasn't making sense to people? Let's make sure we change the order or adjust that, spend some extra time. I think we have two or three really specific flip deep dives in the course to to go into some some good examples there. And um, yeah, for me, I'm just feeding off of the audience. You know, uh, most everything resonates pretty well the first time, but of course there's questions and things. And those questions, it just, it just makes things tighter and tighter every single time we do it. Um, and I'm right there in the course too. It's really fun. Like if you have questions, those go in the comments. We have a community, we do live Q and A's all the time. And, and so it's kind of, it's great. I get to teach, but I also get to learn. Everybody's doing some really cool strategies and um, I'm, I'm starting to pick up on different things that I might want to do in my own business because of all the exposure to this community, all these other folks that are, that are in the course in the community. Well, I think that's, you do it absolutely right in the sense of having the, the fixed course, because I think a lot of times when you're teaching things, you say the same thing over and over again, and to be on the third iteration of it to, you know, really get that honed in, um, you know, that community that you've created is, is I think been a really good asset for you and for everybody in it, uh, to be able to just create better content and create better support for the people in it. I know I've been in, you know, a bunch of those, those sessions where, uh, you know, people ask some unbelievable questions like you're right i got to think about that yeah and yeah. uh and and it's and it's fantastic to see the iterations that come out of that cool yeah thank you and then one other thing that was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise but i guess in hindsight not really is we're getting a lot of bookkeepers in the course and so these are bookkeepers who who do bookkeeping for general businesses but now they're getting whether they're it's by design or not they're getting requests from real estate investors to do their bookkeeping and they don't quite know hey this industry is a little bit complex. And so they're coming to the course as well to learn that real estate uh, side of things. And so that has been great. One, 
to teach them and to learn from them. But now we can even connect investors to bookkeepers. And so um, that's kind of a magical piece of it that I didn't really anticipate coming, but uh, is there now in the community. We have both sides of it. So those who want to do the books themselves, they can certainly do it from what they learn in the course. Uh, those who would rather you know, hire it out and delegate, in theory, we have two individuals who are on the same learning path, the same process, having gone through the same course, and now they can work together, uh, you know, to to run that business and run that bookkeeping. That's perfect. I remember there was one thing, and, and this just kind of came in my head, that, you know, we're going to slip it as an extra. Uh, you talked about the three things, but there was a fourth thing that where you have multiple businesses yep. and not having to set up multiple QuickBook accounts. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that, because you brought that up in the last community session. I was like... My mind just was blown. I'm like, what? Yes. What? Yes. So this, I, I kind of call it the bonus fourth because not everybody needs to do this, but it's definitely something we should think about, especially if we either have now or plan to have multiple holding entities. Okay. So QuickBooks Online by design is set up for, you know, one tax ID number, one business entity per subscription. And if you have another business, then you should get a new subscription. That's what they'll tell you. And generally speaking, that, that makes sense for most industries and most businesses. But again, real estate, we're a little bit different. We are kind of the only industry where we start new entities really just for like liability sake, right? They're all doing the same thing. We might have one asset or two asset entities that are simply holding property, okay? So I have this exact same thing with my business. We have five entities holding uh, various properties. And I thought this is absolutely crazy for me to spend all this time setting up QuickBooks Online for one, two times five, right? So for me, it was really about the setup, not even the subscription cost, but the setup. So what we have done is we've established a way with location tracking to set up multiple business entities in one QuickBooks Online subscription. So what we're doing is we're paying once, which is great, it's gotta be QuickBooks Online plus or beyond. And we turn on what's called location tracking and we're able to tag every single transaction to a business or a location now. And for our five, six, seven different entities, we can run separate balance sheets, separate income statements, P&Ls, and run all of those businesses in one set of books. And again, we save on the subscription, that's great, but it's really, to me, about the scalability of the setup. So we talked about the chart oh, it's, it's the setup and the maintenance of it. I mean, yeah. especially when they have an ecosystem of, of expenses. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Yeah. We have so many similar vendors. If you think about your banking feed and, you know, let's set up a rule for whenever we have a utility cost come in. <laughs> I got to set that rule up five times. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So it's setting up your chart of accounts, your rules, your vendors, your saved reports. And the, you know, the icing on the cake is now I can look at all these. If I want to juxtapose my businesses next to each other, I can run a P&L with my four businesses as my verticals and see how the different businesses are performing against each other. Um, now, again, this is one of those areas where your CPA might say, well, no, QuickBooks Online doesn't allow that. Listen, if you can get your CPA a balance sheet and a pro profit and loss by business, there's nothing for them to complain about. You're, and you're gonna be able to deliver that. So yeah, that's the fourth, that's the bonus. A little bit of an advanced technique, but I teach it many different ways. Um, I use it for my own business as well, and I could not see doing it any other way. It blew my mind. I know going into 2024, it's it's shifting how I'm going to be doing things because I think I have like five subscriptions to QuickBooks and you know, you're always trying to figure out how to log into them. They always block you out of the one account because you're saved the other password or whatever it is. And it's just a nightmare. And just yeah. the idea that it's one single spot to go to is just unreal. It's amazing. That, that yeah. blew my mind. And that was the benefit of the community. 
right? Just going to that community event and just listening and going, oh my gosh. Yeah. Holy crap. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah that's the next level. And I'll say that that, that technique, that's one of those areas where in the Q and A's we spend a lot of time because people start implementing it. And again, it's not, it's not like the simplest thing. There's some things to think about, especially like as funds might move between companies. And so we spend a lot of time in the Q and A's. We're doing those about every two weeks or so now where we're yeah. going through and, and folks are asking specific questions and we're hammering them out. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's work, but it's way less work and way easier than all the different subscriptions for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now, if somebody's looking at, you know, they want to kind of tip their, dip their toe into what you're doing, what would their next step kind of look like? Well, I would say um, definitely check out incomedigs.com. And we're actually just launching pretty much today, um, kind of a free mini course, which talks through you know, most of those one, two, three that we talked about, which is absolutely free. So it's, it's subset of the actual full course that we're just giving away for free. So really the idea is I want people to be doing this stuff, right? And, and if it makes sense to take the next step to the full course, great. That's amazing. And we'd love to have you, but we are, um, we are providing that free mini course. So it's called uh, QBO mini camp. So if you go to incomedigs.com, it'll hit you right in the face. It'll be there. You can sign up for it and you'll get instant access. I think it's six lessons again, covering these, you know, these top three items that we talked about with some stuff on reporting as well. Start there. No obligation whatsoever. It's 100% free. And actually with that, um, there's also seven days of access to our community too. So you can see what that's all about, understand how we interact and, and see if it's for you. And uh, just taking those six lessons on its own will, will definitely get you on the right path going into the next year here. That's perfect. And then if they wanted to, uh, you know, dive in a little bit deeper, they would log, they would go to the, uh, the boot camp. Is that correct? They would log yeah. in for that. Yeah. Incomedigs.com forward slash Reeb, R E A B. So it's real estate accounting boot camp. That is the full comprehensive course. It's uh, you know, that's all the 13 hours or so of, uh, of content. You don't have to watch it all, uh, but uh, it is all there and access to me through the comments, through the community, invitations to the live Q&A sessions. You get all that with that course as well. And then the last one, I think you mentioned that there's uh, the idea that you love everything. Everything sounds great. But what if you just wanted some somebody to just do it for you so that mm -hmm. it's ready to go, that they can give it to their account and their bookkeeper so that it's done? What's that third one look like? So that third one to be would be to reach out to our bookkeeping um, marketplace. So that should be launched very shortly here. Basically, what we're doing is we're taking all of those bookkeepers who have gone through our course and who who are looking for clients and their profiles will be in that marketplace. And so you can contact them and, and, and see you know what they're good at and what their rates are, all of that to understand who might be helpful to you. I definitely would recommend, even if you were to hire hire somebody out, still take the free course so that you're at least on the same page with some of the concepts and, and what we're teaching. Um, you know, I delegate 95% of my day-to-day -day bookkeeping, but of course I have the understanding of what it looks like. And I think that's really important. That way you can challenge the bookkeeper here and there. If you need to have reports look a certain way, you'll have that confidence. So checking out that bookkeeper marketplace would be, would be that next step. And that should be, nice. uh, that should be live very shortly here. Well, I think, I think the, um, when you look at the first free course, if you're a mortgage broker, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a wholesaler, if you're any of these people in this space and, and you want to talk the language of what the accounting looks like, 
that free course gives you so much knowledge to get things going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the idea. You know, it's, this is obviously a, a business for me. You know, there's, there's not a surprise there that, you know, doing this education is a business for me, but I need this information to be out there. I, it's just been so game changing for me that that's why we got this mini course out there. And I, I think to your point is like, I don't want a price of the big, the, the signature course or anything like that to be the barrier for at least getting the baseline knowledge. So yeah, if you're in the industry in whatever capacity, if you're, if you're interacting with these investors on a daily basis, then talking the language is essential. And so this mini course will do that and will deliver uh, a ton of value. I think there's over two hours of, of content in it. Uh, again, just to get you on the same exact page. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I think if you're especially working with investors as a real estate agent, you need to know this. You need to know how to figure out the numbers and understand it because that's what it invariably is going to help them buy their next property, their next property, and their next property. If they don't know their numbers, they're going to buy one. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to sell it probably with somebody else because they're frustrated with you and convincing them to buy it. And they're going to move on to whatever other investment tool they want to go on to. Whereas if you knew the numbers right up front, you knew how to, uh, to help them manage those numbers, you know, that that's going to put it in such a better situation. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Sweet. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us and spending the time with our listeners today. We truly appreciate it. It's incomedigs.com uh, is where I would go to guys. Take the free course. Uh, what a great giveaway, Nick. That's that's super awesome that you're doing that. And uh, guys, it's all about the numbers uh, when you're getting into the investment uh, game. So keep, in, uh, keep on top of those. And uh, with Nick, join his community. And Nick, again, truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It was great to be here. Uh, really big fan of, of all that you do and all that you teach. So thank you so much for having me. Hey, man. No, likewise. Thank you. As a, as a client, I am super appreciative. <laughs> Good to, hear. Good to hear. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Money uh, Mentoring Mindset. Uh, let's, let's rock it, guys. And we'll see you guys on the next one.